Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Change Healthcare Consulting Security Podcast. I'm John Zuziak, Change Healthcare Consulting's Practice Director for IT Risk Management. Today, we'll be talking about cybersecurity in this new world we're living in. With us today, we have Eric Decker, CIO, Peter Jabruki, CISO, and Lamar Ward, Manager of Business Continuity, all from Independent Health. We're recording this podcast in what can only be described as unprecedented times. I really don't think any of us had plans in our playbook for this scenario. We're all trying to figure out really what direction is north right now. That said, we've learned a lot in the last few weeks, and I want, I want this to be a peek into some of those amazing things that independent health team uh, has learned and what we can share with others in this field. So gentlemen, before we get started, would you mind giving our listeners a little bit of your, little bit of your background um, and some of the key items that you were working on before all this broke loose on March 1st? Sure. This is Eric Decker. As you said, I'm the CIO for Independent Health. Uh, I've been overseeing IT for the past five and a half years. I'm accountable for identifying and implementing technology solutions that map to our overall business strategies. Um, We'll get into it later on, but actually one thing we had been doing was preparing for uh, given where we live in Western New York, uh, near Lake Erie, we had done a lot of preparation on, on business continuity, uh, more for snowstorms that we actually now have leveraged here in the pandemic. So that was a, a, a big thing we were working on, um, along with a lot of digital transformation um, related activities and a lot in the cybersecurity area in terms of hardening our overall, um, our overall posture. Excellent. Thank you. And Pete, would you mind giving a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Pete Jabrucki. I'm the Chief Information Security Officer uh, for Independent Health. I've uh, been with the organization about 10 years, and uh, I'm responsible for overseeing our strategy and governance around information security and privacy. So items we've been really focused on prior to COVID-19, you know, in partnership with Eric's IT team, you know, really, you know, work from home has been a big initiative push for us about enabling our workforce but also making sure that we're enabling it in a hardened and secure fashion. So a lot of our strategy has been around um, enhancing our identity and access management controls uh, this year, also with some cloud security aspects too. So as we extend our networks, you know, from work from home and other partnerships, we want to make sure we're doing that in a secure and, and meaningful fashion. So those have really been two of our large tactics, at least this year and recently. Excellent. Thank you. And Lamar, would you mind give a little bit of history or background on yourself? Sure, sure. So, um, Lamar Ward, uh, Manager of Business Continuity and Disaster Recovery here at Independent Health. Uh, I've been with the company for um, just about five years now, or coming up on five years. And I'm responsible for uh, the overall management and strategic d- direction of the Business Continuity Office. T- uh, typical or standard to other business continuity plans, we kind of look at um, look at it from three views, business continuity planning, uh, which is just the overall process to um, develop plans um, to ensure that if there is any type of issue, business interruption, uh, in, in this case, <laughs> a global pandemic, that we're able to uh, that we're able to continue operations with with limited interruption. Uh, second is incident response, which is um, how do we how do we manage the incident? How do we coordinate? Who do we coordinate with? How do we collaborate? Um, how do we communicate? And I wasn't intentional with all the C's there, but just how do we um, how do we ensure now that we have the plan? How do we ensure that the management is effective uh, throughout um, throughout the incident? 
And then finally, um, disaster recovery, which is just the ability to recover from a, uh, you know, either major system interruption or um, even minor interruptions that could, um, you know, bring down the business. So just making sure we um, have plans and processes to, uh, you know, recover from the unforeseen. Excellent. Well, thank you all very much. And thank you for joining us today. Um, so I, just to kind of get us started, Eric, you mentioned that you were, um, you guys are kind of used to having with some of these situations, work from home scenarios uh, in, in your environment, living up in, in Buffalo. And I can only imagine how some of those winners get sometimes. Uh, but, you know, in this kind of, with everything that's been going on, did, did the organization formally declare a disaster to invoke the business continuity plan when the cities and local government started shutting down? Or is it kind of, was it more of a natural progression? John, I'm going to actually give that to Lamar if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Lamar, do you want to take it? Sure, sure. Thanks, Eric. Uh, it, it was honestly a little bit of both, right? So we, we officially, um, there was no official declaration, but we started moving forward with our work from home strategy uh, when we saw um, our state government moving to, I think, the, the first kind of directive was um, all large groups or uh, events with large amount of people were, were canceled. Uh, second, it was anything over 50 people. Um, and then I think we got to the point where even 10 people, uh, if, you, if you had more than 10 people in attendance, you, you know, the, the directive was to, to cancel those events. So as we started receiving those directives and then we kind of monitored what was going around, going on around the country and of course around the world we just we we decided to try to get ahead of the of the um curve and all of our um associates uh home um to work from home so it was it wasn't really an an official declaration but it was really around monitoring what was going on and we we had a sense that it was going to get to the point where um, you know, mostly everything was going to be shut down. So we wanted to try to get ahead of, of that. So we sent everyone out maybe about two weeks, week and a half prior to kind of the, the, the directive, um, uh, the current directive, which is now really just all essential businesses are shut down and just, you know, really go out if you need to. And that's great that you all were able to be you know, prepared for that kind of initial move and, and start to transition out. When when that occurred, did you start to have or notice any um, kind of issues, whether it was through technology or kind of supporting the business being remote for this length of time? Has any of that, that those issues started to come up? We, if if you're familiar with this area, uh, we deal um, with with heavy snow during the during the winter months, and we had actually started moving towards um, kind of a work from home strategy, all associates being able to work from home um, about a year ago. We knew that that was the direction. Um, I, I worked, uh, you know, collaborated heavily with IT to kind of stand up technologies or enhance technologies because the, the remote capabilities and the work from home technology was already there, but enhance it um, in order to support um, uh, the entire organization. So we, um, we started kind of, once again, in, um, uh, implementing these technologies, these processes, um, and then we actually did a company-wide work from home, first of its kind with our company, um, a company-wide work from home on uh, Halloween, actually. So we, we had everyone, um, we had close to um, 1,200 people 
work from home that day, log in, um, make sure. Actually, prior to that, we did a wave and we had maybe four different waves to where people were able um, We had people log in, make sure they could work from home for the day. So when we did the company wide, um, no one was logging in and, and checking their technology for the first time. So we had four waves where everyone went in. We, we, we captured issues. Unfortunately, there were no major issues. Halloween, we had all associates work from home. Once again, no major issues. So when we um, move forward with sending everyone home due to what's going on, um, it was kind of just a natural, uh, fortunately, a kind of, I don't want to say a natural transition, but we had already tested, right? So because yeah. of that, we have not seen any major issues. Some some hiccups, um, as as you you can expect if you're you know you have an entire company work from home. But um, if you look at just the volume or the, the people that's working from home, the different technology and applications uh, that we're dealing with, uh, we we've had really um, uh, no significant issues. That's fantastic. It's great that you're you're kind of that forward thinking to to have so, such a plan in place. Thankfully, it lined up with this event that you were able to. They utilize those services. One thing that I'm starting to hear and see is, you know, it, it was one thing with it being local, localized to our communities and, and even within, you know, the United States, but as it, as it's spread throughout the world and other countries are being hit with it, we're starting to see issues with the supply chain or, or third parties that are using a lot of offshore resources. Have you all had any issues in dealing with the uh, third parties and either the, them invoking their plans or kind of alternative solution for you all? Yes. And unfortunately, with the pandemic now spreading globally, we've had a number of our third parties having to invoke their business continuity plans. Um, we do utilize um, multiple software as a service uh, organizations and a number of managed services organizations to support our key business processes and our enabling processes in IT. Many of them do have a workforce, a significant workforce in India, which had gone into lockdown, I think, on March 21st for a period of the next 21 days. Luckily, our key partners in India have been able to work from home as well. And I feel at this point, we, we don't really use any niche vendors, and, and thus most of our partners have the scale to move their operations to other parts of the nation or other parts of the globe in case... I guess we get a, a call it a, a pandemic hotspot. We, we may not have the depth in certain areas of IT where we want to bolster some roles where possible. Um, yeah, this isn't the best time to start looking at staff augmentation and, and other contingency plans, but there's a, there's a few niche roles in IT that we would like to, to build our bench on just in case we uh, lose any associates or our, or our suppliers lose associates to uh, an extended period of time due to the, due to the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, it's like you said, once um, kind of certain areas of India and really the whole country of India started to to go in lockdown, it did really start to disrupt many of those offshore services. Um, and I've been impressed with how quickly they've been able to react, but you're right. It was either a little panic um, for, for some of the organizations or challenging to try to figure out how long is this going to last and how do we get the right pieces in place to, to overcome it. I'm glad that you guys have had you know, success and they were able to work from home to support you all. Kind of with that, you know, both working from home locally, but then also through the third parties, have you either seen or identified any new to the organization, cybersecurity risk to the organization that you're starting to track on now? Yeah, so we've definitely seen an uptake and it's kind of new takes on, you know, old games or typical games we see from malicious actors. And 
we're kind of taking it in, in three different senses or, or, or avenues. Um, the, fo- the first is really COVID-19 specific threats, you know, whether those be like targeted phishing type activities where they're trying to get individuals to click on links and things like that. Um, some malicious websites, obviously, um, John Hopkins was kind of a notable one where they've been tracking, you know, the COVID-19 infected population, but malicious actors actually have set up sites to mimic those. Uh, so that was a number of weeks back. So, so it's kind of new takes on, on, on games that we've seen. And we really try to get in front of that with, you know, associate, um, communication and training reminders around fishing best practices and that and we're making sure that our defensive tools are also um, integrating with those the best they can ultimately uh, the second track we're following is is really around kind of our vulnerability and and threat management there it's really looking you know now that we're using more teleworking teleconferencing technology voice over ip in a lot heavier fashion we want to make sure that we're keeping a track of vulnerabilities and potential threats there that could come out. So we've always actively monitored those, but we're taking a focus now to make sure that, you know, if a zero day or some other type of compromise comes out, we can quickly triage and bring it into our incident assessment team uh, if need be at that point. And really the third prong is more of internal usage of our data and risks there. So potential data loss opportunities, right? So now that people are working at home, could they try to do a desk side print or, drop to a USB drive or send information to email addresses. So we've really kind of stepped up our monitoring there that we, we typically do to make sure that people are following our kind of standard practices and, and policies in that form. On, on that, the threat, uh, the threats that you mentioned and, and you know, preparing for that, are you using any, any new sources to identify the threat? Or kind of the same old existing ones that you know you've been using in the past. So same old existing ones, but we've kind of brought in CDC and other kind of government-specific pandemic response resources there too to couple into them. Uh, right now, we're really partnering and we utilize InfoGuard, and um, we're part of the ISAC um, organization. So those have been really two valuable threat feeds for us that we we've, we've continued to use, and we've kind of added those on with the pandemic side of the CDC and other government central resources there. And along those lines, as you start to see these these threats, and you know, some of them are pretty specific with what's coming at you, are, are you using this as time to also educate the staff, or is it almost there's too much happening and that would just be a little bit too overwhelming right now? Yeah, so it's definitely a blend. Um, we, we've done some communications over the last few weeks, um, and we've really taken a, a couple steps back internally, and Lamar could probably speak to a lot more here, but we've tried to centralize our communications so we're not over overwhelming our associates mm-hmm. so we're really trying to put some strategy around it so so we did a lot of awareness around fishing mitigation up front we're probably going to start doing that again in the next couple of weeks to kind of have a continuous reminder feed but also working with our corporate communications to ensure that we're not inundating you know our associates with information across the board yeah it's almost yeah you know, people start to tune out when you get too much noise i tune out a lot of that uh that information and then kind of it almost does a disservice is, you know, when you're trying to, to help them out. So it makes sense finding that balance. And, and you'd mentioned the monitoring have, have, I guess with all of this activity going on, I'm sure it, it, it has increased the amount of data that you're now sifting through and monitoring. Um, and some of it's probably shifted from traditional you know, activity that was going on. Have you had to adjust the way that you do the monitoring or kind of parse it out differently at this point? We've definitely made some adjustments in terms of our monitoring approach. And, you know, this is definitely shifted priorities for us, you know, where we've had to shift from, you know, strategic type initiatives moving more towards, all right, we got to be more tactical with this COVID-19 response and that. 
it hasn't been a significant impact for us um, because a lot of this was already activities we were monitoring day to day, but it's it's definitely increased the volume in certain aspects. You know, one example of that is is we monitor sign-ons, you know, into our environment and where they're coming from. So obviously when you have, you know, 80, 85% of the workforce coming into a, a building, you know, our office, our corporate IP address, there's not a lot of alerts that come from there. But now that you have 100% work from home, everyone has their own unique IP address. It's it's increased that workload there. So so we've taken some steps to kind of, you know, do risk-based mitigation there and make sure we're combing through and identifying risks as need be. But there's definitely an increase. Fortunately, we've been able to get by with our current structure and monitoring activities we have today. And with, you mentioned those threats, and with all those those threats that are out there and, and just really what's taking place these days, have you had to adjust the way that you respond to incidents? So kind of as something is, you know, you're notified or alerted to potential threat or issue, has, has the the incident response process changed in order to support this kind of remote environment? As Eric mentioned, you know, we've, for the last, you know, handful of years, we've, we've been using, you know, leveraged teams, you know, whether they be across the country, local across the country, or even an offshore capacity. So, so we've kind of adapted our plans to be, you know, remote responsiveness. So, so we haven't had to make a ton of drastic changes there. Um, we, we continue the same escalation paths, working with our partners in IT and as needed with different managers and, and escalations through our incident assessment team and management team there. So we haven't experienced any, you know, knock on wood, significant changes at this point, but we keep actively monitoring that to make sure we do have, you know, procedures in place to be able to collaborate in this remote type environment. And part of our work of enabling our workforce to work remotely has offered us a good foundation to continue, you know, our practices from a security perspective. So you haven't, you because I know I've talked to a handful of people who they're now looking at different tools that they need to do to, to uh, whether if it's malware, you know, uh, do a memory capture of a particular machine. But it sounds like you guys have already had some, a lot of those processes ready to go and in place with the remote workforce. They're kind of, once again, one step ahead of, of a lot of the peers out there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So this, and this is kind of for, for all three of you, uh, you know, with all the changes that we've had in the last month, it, it seems like this is going to continue. So I think we're going to be sort of living in this new world for, for a little while longer. But I'm, I'm really interested to see what, what do you think is going to stick with kind of what each of your you know, sort of towers have changed and, and managed to? What do you think is going to stick going forward and, and how is that going to become sort of the new normal? Yeah, I'll start with maybe more of a, uh, a combined business and, and technical response. So we've had telemedicine as part of uh, our benefits for well, several years now. And historically, the utilization has been low, but we're now finally seeing that pick up. And I, it does have the risk of fragmenting the continuity of care with the primary care providers, but that's something that we as a health plan will need to work with our providers on, on, on managing that risk. But with, with, with the work from home kind of being more ubiquitous now that it has been forced upon us in, in so many industries, there will probably be questions of who provides the equipment. And you know, today we support bringing our own device, but today we're also providing laptop and thin clients. That's something that we continue to do, or is that something we, we uh, broaden our bring your own device policy. I think that those are questions that need to be answered. Um, but, but hopefully between working from home and having the telemedicine benefit, I really hope to see people who are sick stay home. I mean, it's hard to, hard to always know when a virus or cold if you're contagious or not, but uh, hopefully this leads to 
you know, lower influenza seasons. And, and maybe I'm being a little too optimistic there, but that's that's something I'm hoping sticks as a, as a result of this, as painful as this has been. Yeah, this is, this is Pete and kind of on the same sense of, of Eric there. I think what's really going to stick is not just us from a healthcare health plan realm, but everyone in the in the country for the most part is is having to go through this and do a work from home type capacity, right? You know, it, it could change society from that sense in terms of, you know, normalizing work from home, also enhancing processes that maybe were very still manual paper based, right? Now we have to find new ways and innovative ways to do this. So it could be kind of interesting to see how you know, the technology and evolution of some of these digitalization, I'll phrase it, of processes kind of affects society going forward in the next, you know, year or two. I think Eric and, and Pete, you know, said it very well. I, I think I will also see providers that were not quick to adapt technology, maybe move in that area uh, because, you know, without the technology, with with the manual processes, um, you know, they're they're having a a harder time getting things done and processed. Um, so I I think um, not only here locally, but I, I think we'll see kind of a shift. Uh, I think this is really, you know, the the providers or you know any any business um, that wasn't quick to adapt certain technologies, I think they'll just overall just be quicker now to, or or be more willing, I should say, um, to move in that direction because hopefully we never see anything like this again, but any type of issue, if you have the right technology in place, that will help you um, recover and, and, and help you, you know, continue operations. And I think it's, it's interesting how can all three of you, you sort of went towards the same, the same thing, you know, when, when we had these large really transformation events, you know, we, Y2K and, 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 you know, the Affordable Care Act, and we did a lot of digitizing medical records back a number of years ago. And now this event, you know, you're right. It does, it, it forces organizations to really sit back, think differently. It looks like you guys have already done this, but, you know, we take this as, as an opportunity to really build in the right direction and not do it just for doing its sake and, and made these changes. We've adapted a lot of this new technology and processes. So, um, and as Pete, to your point, now hopefully we use this going forward. I use this as that digital transformation uh, in round two in healthcare. You know, it's, it's funny. I saw, I think, a meme on LinkedIn today, and it was a multiple choice question that said, What or who is responsible for digital uh, transformation for the user experience in your enterprise? And the uh, answers were A, CEO. B, CIO, C, something along the lines of vendors or, or something like that. And then D was the coronavirus. So it was just, <laughs> and that was the one that was circled. And, and so it's, uh, yeah, I think I'm sort of unfortunate that it, it takes a, an event like this to, to, to force that kind of change. But, there, you know, and frankly, even though we've, we've been somewhat prepared for using a snowstorm scenario, there, there's still things that we've had to refine here along the way ourselves. But to, to your point, it, it would be good to force these kind of changes uh, a little bit earlier. Well, uh, Lamar, Peter, and Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today about cybersecurity and this, this new world we're all living in and we're all trying to figure out today. For our listeners, you know, don't forget to check out the show notes for links and resources, contact information related to today's show. And stay tuned to Change Healthcare Consulting Security Podcast for more shows covering cybersecurity topics that you care about. For more information on cybersecurity items, such as security assessments, virtual chief information, security officer services, disaster recovery, and business continuity planning, 
and any other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Once again, I'm John Zuziak, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.